Hello everybody and welcome to episode 5 of the Words Over Whiskey podcast lockdown edition. So yes, so this is our um, lockdown edition, first episode recorded remotely um, as we had quite a backlog of episodes before this so that all the previous ones were recorded before uh, quarantine began and lockdown began and so we released those out during the lockdown and we got to the point where like oh we haven't got any more episodes to um go we need to (laughs) we need to actually organize doing a a lockdown edition a lockdown edition a remote one so So we're actually at uh we're not sitting together with this in this because we're not even looking at each other uh when we're having this conversation (laughs) we're actually in separate places having the same conversation over the airwaves as 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 you said Mm. Sound like we don't like each other. We're not actually looking at each other. We don't like each. No, we're so this. We can't actually stand each other's presence, but we have to talk about whiskey. Yeah. So if there are any technical, <laughs> so if there are any technical difficulties during the course of recording this, uh, th- that'll be why. Because this is our first time trying to do a remote, um, remote podcast recording session. So it'll be interesting to see how it turns out. But hopefully. All goes well. So, and if anything goes wrong, we apologize in advance. These are difficult times. It's the best we could do, and it would probably have been Henry's fault. No, thanks, Tom. You're <laughs> so, so, I was going to say we have a lot to catch up on because it's like I said, the um, last episode was actually recorded all the way back in March, and it's it's now the very start of June. It feels like years ago. Yes, it feels like given, years ago. We are we are literally living through a history text textbook at this we're living through a chapter of a history textbook at this point it's, it's weird because back in january i was thinking you know i'm a fan of history and i like studying history um i was thinking i've not actually experienced anything myself that could have made history and then two months later this happens and i think anything but this anything but this it's been perfect for you you've just stayed indoors reading <laughs> And playing Animal Crossing. Yes, to be fair. Yes, I've been fine. But many people are not fine, Henry. No, no. It's, um, yeah, definitely difficult times. See, like I said, since it's been two months, Tom, what have you What have you been reading? Well, I've... Oh, actually, I forgot an important point. The whiskey. Actually, how, could, how could both of us forget that? Okay, uh, so... Because we're, we're, we're out actually, of practice. We're, out, we're completely out of practice. But because we're both actually in separate situations... Situations, locations, is what I'm thinking of. Because we're in different places, we've actually got different whiskies, I believe. So mm. what, what are you drinking at the moment, Henry? So I actually have one that we've had on the podcast before. Uh, I got this for my birthday. It's the Nicker Whiskey from the Barrel, which I believe we had in episode four. Mm. So yeah, so for any of... so It's a nice, smooth um, and smoky one, like a nice combination. but A mixture. Yeah, so f- for the full... And it came in a breakdown. really nice black box, didn't it? Yeah, but for the full breakdown of that is on episode four, I believe. And what about you, Tom? What are you... I'm are drinking you one we've also had on the show before. One of my favourites. I don't know which episode it was in. I want to say two or three. Probably three. If it's yeah. the one I'm thinking of. Yeah, so I'm having Smokehead. That was episode two. Which is a single malt scotch. Um... And it's incredibly um, strong taste of um, smoke and peat. 
and I love it. It's it certainly, great. certainly so, lives up to the name. Definitely lived up to the name. I actually um, tricked someone who has never had whiskey before into trying some. Um, I had a really smooth whiskey that was that's very nice and easy to drink, and I had this one. And I was like, go for the scotch. And he sort of watched them choke. <laughs> he was coughing. He was something kind of cool of me. Why would you waste perfectly good whiskey on someone who wasn't going to enjoy it? Because I enjoy their pain. <laughs> Maniacal maniac over, <laughs> over here. <laughs> so, <laughs> moving up and moving up, moving on. Um, what have you been reading? Going back to my earlier question. Well, over lockdown, I thought I would catch up on my pile of fantasy books that I haven't got round to reading yet. Um, and I've been hearing a lot of good reviews about a book um, called The Black Prism by Brent Weeks, which is in his Lightbringer series. Um, and I think I picked it up a few years ago, actually, and I had a look and I wasn't impressed, but I, I, I went back to it and actually, I don't know how I gave up. Um, whatever it was that uh, didn't inspire me at the time, but ungrounded, I loved it. Um, and the magic system, Henry, is completely original. So what they do, it's not a spoiler because I think it happens right at the beginning. Um, they actually bend light um, psychically into this material called Luxin. And they can make anything out of Luxin. And the Luxin has different properties depending on its colour. Like, for instance, the red Luxin is flammable. Um, but... Uh, they make vehicles, weapons, uh, buildings, anything they like out of this material, and that's the magic system. So how? Wait. So, sorry. How did? How was it? They turned light into this material. Do you say psychic powers? So it's because it's a fantasy world. They don't understand it fully themselves. So as the reader, I can only pick up the pieces. Um, but the way I see it, I, I think um, they use their eyes. Um, and the colour they see, they can use to create this Luxin. Uh, either by pouring the light through themselves, or... Um, magic, Henry. It's magic. It's a magic system. <laughs> it's in the name. Um, but is the on. magic purely just to create this material, or is there other stuff they can do? Is it the material itself is magic, or...? I think uh, the material itself has um, scientific properties. And is used in very clever and scientific ways. Um, especially with the vehicles. Uh, they, they make the vehicles like certain shapes. To, give, to make it faster or slower or make it fly or whatever. Um, so th that's used in a very scientific way. Um, but the actual how the material is created. It, it's, it's in a process called drafting. They draft the colour they see around them into this material hmm. um, and that part isn't fully explained but it's a very interesting concept oh, okay is it is this part of a series or is it just it's, a... it's, it's, a, it's a series it's quite they're chunky books and it's quite there's quite a few of them I, I think um, and it, it's just like a, a modern epic fantasy series and I love epic fantasy so I thought I'd jump back into one and I wasn't disappointed hmm. that's good um yeah, so you'll find this quite funny. So the book I started, um, uh, I'll just touch on. There's a, I've, I've read quite a few, so there's a few I'll just touch on via mm -hmm. name. There's a couple 
I'll probably go a bit more into in depth. But ironically, at the start of <laughs> all this uh, goings on of pandemic and a lockdown and everyone going into quarantine and stuff, Did you I start talking about a virus. Uh, no, but I read a book called How to Survive. <laughs> <laughs> so it's uh, it's called How to Survive by a guy called John H- Hudson, who's like um, the head of survival training for the British Army. But um, uh, I'll just kind of touch base with what it is. But it's really interesting because what he does, he talks about, it's from the name you think, oh, he's just going to go through survival tips and what to do, how to build a fire and everything like that. But instead what he does is he is touches... Is the mental un- side? Is it the, like, the, the mindset you need in order to survive? He does touch on that, yes. Um, but he And he also incorporates a few other key things like the importance of um, shelter, uh, water, food, and then location. Um, like you have to get yourself into shelter first because you're more likely to, to die from the exposure, exposure uh, than being hungry or thirsty. Um, but a lot, a lot of the stuff he does to reinforce his points is talk about like case studies of um, survival cases. So that's really interesting because from the title you say, oh, how to survive, it's just like a it's like just like a handbook on what to do in survival situations. But no, he actually goes into these various case studies who of people who've gone through survival situations. That's quite uh that was a really interesting one at the start. Um, I saw a meme another recently. one I saw a meme recently, Henry. Right. Yeah. So um you're stuck on a deserted island. What's the one book you bring with you? Like a survival guide? Oh uh, yeah. How to build a raft. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think I, I had to do that once for like a school project and I was it was well, build um, a raft. Build a, no, I, I no, 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 I, but I it was like a raft as well, definitely I had to build a raft. But <laughs> but it was like badly. what if you were stuck on a desert island, what three books would you have? And I was like, Well I'd I'd have a survival manual and then I'd have a dictionary because I can use the paper as for, to help start a fire because it's a huge book. And then... I there are many other books you could use yeah. for, starting the, for something like starting the fire, actually. But I was trying to be really logical about it. <laughs> the manual they gave me when I started my job, that could have been definitely used to start a fire. Yeah. Wasn't much use in there. <laughs> um, and next one I read, which... Um, do, you, do you ever remember me talking about the book How to Make... Uh, or not how to make your bed, uh, make make your bed by uh, Jamie Raven or something. Yeah, Admiral, uh, yeah, Admiral McRaven. Um, there's this other one called Stand Up Straight, which is by Major General Paul Nansen, um, and it's uh, like ten lessons from Sandhurst, and it's basically a very very similar concept to the Make Your Bed book. So I think if anyone's a fan of that book. Um, I would also highly recommend that. I won't. I won't go go on about that. Uh, this one because it's quite similar to that, but it has its own lessons in a way which are all very interesting. But I highly recommend that for anyone who's a fan of uh, make your bed or is interested in learning some interesting lessons. Uh, what was the next book you read, Tom? Oh, um, I also read a few books in um, the Anita Blake series by Laurel K. Hamilton. Which I've been really interested to pick up for a long time now, because as you'll know, Henry, one of my favourite all-time book series of, of all time is The Dresden Files. And mm. Jim Butcher, who wrote The Dresden Files, has cited 
the Anita Blake series as one of his major inspirations. So I thought, oh, I've got to give it a try. Was well, it something to do with vampires, which I think you've mentioned before? Yeah, um, the character Anita Blake hunts them for a living, um, basically. And no, no spoilers there, it's got it on the front cover. Um, and the writing style, narrative style, story style even, are incredibly similar. So picture the character, the amazing character work of Dresden. Um, th- 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 this person you can really get to know and really becomes like your friend. And then imagine if they're a short, feisty woman. <laughs> um, and it's a different dynamic, but it, it, it works just as well, just as well. Um, when they're not this um, six foot and something uh, <laughs> muscular, angry bloke, um, when they're actually more of an underdog, uh, when they when they are this snarky, when they are this um, you know anti-authority person, it comes across much more entertaining. Yeah, nice. So is that the first one you uh, first one in the series, or I think uh, the, the two I read in lockdown was uh, three and four, and in so fact the fifth one arrived today actually, and it's a much bigger book, so I can't wait. It's like ah, more entertainment. Ah, uh, so you've read the you've read the first couple already then. Yes, yes, yeah. absolutely. But the biggest thing, uh, disappointment that I found in the books is not a criticism at all. It's more of a choice. And it's not even a design or feature thing. It's more of like world building, um, interestingly. And it, it, in this world, vampires, werewolves, all, all these sorts of creatures, they have day jobs. <laughs> so it's a bit like... um. A series, uh, TV series you mentioned it before, like uh, Grimm, where all the um, the like the monsters. In, 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 yeah, I love that show, Grimm. But in Grimm, they are all actually people who just happen to be monsters. Whereas Anita Blake, they're all monsters who happen to have to pay rent. If that makes sense. So they've all got jobs, um, not like ordinary jobs. Like you won't, you're not going to walk into a library and you'll just see like a werewolf studying for his. Um, chemistry finals uh, but they've all got like appropriate jobs like I think the vampires work in a circus etc <laughs> um, they have all got jobs and that's what confused me if you're a vampire who's hundreds of years old if you're anything that's hundreds of years old what would you have a lot of by now? Money Money. and surely by now you've got some sort of lair that you can use as a home that you can hide in so I don't, I don't really understand why they're bothering to have a job. Maybe it's just like alleviate the boredom. You know, they could have been a vampire with a gambling addiction. They lost all their money. Uh, or they're a vampire. They're... Go, go get it back using your powers. Maybe they maybe they have a mor- they're a vampire with a gambling addiction and a moral compass. What vampire story have you read where the vampire has a moral compass? Doesn't um isn't it like the Cirque the Freak books the kid becomes a vampire but he at least, I don't know. I never really read them, but I I read them. Um, I I enjoyed them actually. Um, and okay, yes, he has a conscience. He still kills people, but he has a conscience. <laughs> Little soundbite there. He still he kills people, but at least he has a conscience. <laughs> he still kills people, so that, that, uh... that, 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 that's what I mean. Um, yeah, the conscience is there. There's a difference, Henry, between um, always want to do what's right. And uh, wants to do what's right, but accepting you still got to do bad things and being prepared to do those bad things. That's so, philosophical indeed. <laughs> yeah. I uh, pour myself more whiskey after that. 
Mm-hmm. So, would you would you say you enjoy this series as much as the Dresden Files, or a bit a bit more, or a bit less? Well, I've read all the Dresden Files that are currently out. Although I would like to say that another Dresden uh, title in the Dresden Files will be released soon, Wizard at Large, I believe, and I cannot wait. Um, but all of them are out at the moment. I've currently read. Um, Whereas I've already read about five of the Anita Blake books, and there's like more than 20. So, Blimey, you've got quite yeah. a bit of catching up to do them. Exactly. So 15 books later, I could probably compare them. Fair enough. But um, a, in the gap between the last Dresden book I read and this next one coming out, it has filled that hole. It, <laughs> it, it's not quite completely filled up. Basically, to use a very, very bad metaphor, I'll come up on the spot... Um, it, 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 since I finished the Dresden series as it is at the moment it's like a massive pothole in the road and Anita Blake has filled it up in the same way the council would fill up that pothole um, <laughs> so badly but they've filled it up <laughs> so it's not the same the road will never be the same again but it's packed <clears throat> up it's packed in you can drive on it now you can enjoy um, the road does, does, does that say that maybe you didn't enjoy the book if you called it a bad Job like a bad patch up job. I was more taking the opportunity to criticize the council while I'm here. To be honest, um, <laughs> yeah. um, I think there. Are, I think the Anita Blake books they don't they're not as well rounded as the Dresden Files books. Mm. Like, like I, I I I don't want to say something's perfect. I'm sure there are bits in the Dresden Files that are not perfect, but to me they're practically perfect. Um, and I think uh, Jim Butcher took what Laurel K. Hamilton in the Need to Blake series was building on, and I think he did it better. It's not that they're bad. It's just that Dresden does what they're doing better. Yeah. Um, oh, that's interesting. I, st- I I really wanted to read more of the Dresden Files. I think I've read the first two. Um, I think I was going to borrow the third one off you at some point, but then, of course... Yeah, something, <laughs> not... something happened. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so we can meet up. But, um, yeah, I've to be honest, I've I've been working my way through the pile of books that um I'd I'd been amassing before lockdown. So I've been trying to get through those. That's the thing. Only even during lockdown, pile. there have been only a single pile, Henry. That's a, those are rookie numbers. You've got to, you've got to get those piles up, right? I've got a bookshelf <laughs> for the books I've read, and a whole filled bookshelf for the books I have yet to read. Depends how how tall the pile is, Tom. You forgot, but um. Yes, I've been going through those, but there have been other books coming out whilst I've been in, in lockdown. So the pile's not really gone, gone down. It's been kind of maintained. But um, one of those uh, books was one that I think I mentioned in. It was either the very first episode or the second episode, which is The Elite by uh, Ranulph Fies. I think I've mentioned this to you before. So oh, that's think... the book where I thought was written by the actor Ralph Fiennes. No, I, I, although funnily enough, I think um, apparently Ranulph Fiennes, um, he did audition for James Bond once. <laughs> yeah, and they didn't, they didn't go go for him as James Bond. Well, he's not an actor, so why, why would they? Yeah, but um, I really, I think this was back in episode two because I'd been, uh, I'd read that book about the Spartans. Um, Oh, the name escapes me now. 
The Conor uh, Golden book, if that's what happens. Yeah, Conor Golden book, thank you. Uh, actually, hang on, I've got my book here, I can tell you what it is. Uh, the Falcon of Sparta, that was it. Um, and so I was saying, oh, I was really excited to read uh, this book, because it goes through various uh, military units, like the elite military units throughout history. I think it starts with the Immortals and it goes on to the Spartans. But it's really interesting because each chapter is a different military unit. So it's got the Spartans, the Immortals, uh, the Roman Praetorian Guard. And then you've got um, like the Ninjas. You've got the um, the Assassins. You've got um, uh, the RAF and Battle of Britain. You've got the Commandos, Paratroopers, SAS, Navy SEALs. But each it one... A lot there. It skips out quite a lot there. Yeah, so there is there is a lot, but each chapter is focused on a different unit. So you, it's almost more like you get a snapshot of each, a bit of their history, which is really nice. You get a nice little um, bite-sized chunk of the history. Um, so it's, yeah, I really enjoyed it. But it, it kind of makes you want to learn more about them because it goes over sort of like their inception, how they came about, some of the main battles they fought in but it doesn't go too much into detail before it moves on to the next chapter so that's been one of the ones i've really enjoyed um i thought you read that before during... yeah sorry i thought you read the elite before lockdown no 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 i i mentioned it and said i, I wanted uh... to and then lock, lockdown happened so i have actually got round to um reading it now i think the the book after that i think i'll touch on again later because i know you've you've read that but um the other I one i really the other one i really want to talk about is uh fall of giants by ken follett oh uh, yeah this is the one which um it, does it follow like several generations of a family throughout history or something so it's i think when i originally tried to uh explain it in the first or second episode, I didn't even really know what it was about. Cause I was like, "Oh, a friend gave me this, and it's kind of it's it's not it's kind of like a historical fiction," and and I was all a bit unsure of, as to what it was. But it's part of a trilogy, mm. and in the first book, you get introduced to these five different families and the parents and the kids, and then in the other two, as I'm led to believe, it goes. So the first book is set in World War One. Second book is World War Two, and the third book is during the Cold War. So, so this book starts in 1911 and goes up to I think 1918, and just just a bit beyond. I think goes up to 1920, but it's mostly focused in 1914 to 1918. So it's focused around World War One. But I really, I really enjoy it. It's almost like reading some sort of tv drama in a way because you're, you're going from this character in england uh this character in wales and you've got this american character you've got a german character you've got a russian character so you're seeing all different corners of the world and all these different characters and they're all interlinked smith? henry have you read wilbur smith i haven't no because it sounds very similar i've only read one of his books his first book uh when the lion feeds it's also historical fiction it only focuses on two brothers. So it switches between those two and they're obviously in the same time period and they're in the same part of the world. But it follows their life mm. and the experiences they have and it sounds very similar. I think I think you'd really enjoy it. Yeah. So I, I really enjoy this because it's all the characters like meet variously 
like in various situations throughout the book like one of them's an aristocrat and another one's a politician and they meet through a uh, like a social engage yeah like a social engagement and then uh they uh because it and then another one's a a german who at the time is working in london as like a again as a diplomat but then when the war breaks out he goes back home to fight for germany the aristocrat uh becomes like a, a major in the army and then someone who lives in the village that was on his land also joins the army. And so they, all the different characters got these various connections. Mm. Um, like one of the Russian characters moves to America and then comes to contact with the American diplomat and all this. There's these various interlinks between the characters and they all tie together. But the way it reads, it is like watching like a drop. I could, I could perfectly picture it as I was reading it as I could, TV historic uh, like drama on like something like the BBC would do, um, so it's really good. I really enjoyed it, and um, like each each character, you kind of you feel like you spend enough time with each character. And I also like the historic aspect because I don't know whether you found this at school, but I always felt like um, World War Two was much more focused on than World War One at school, and so it was interesting to learn a bit more about the historic um bits of world war one and there's one particular bit where one of the characters i think he's uh he's from wales he was a miner and then joined the uh he was a coal miner and then joined the army when, oh, the... when you said miner i thought you meant as in child no 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 he was a coal miner and then when the war kicked off um he joined the army but his unit later in to the war during the Ru- russian revolution gets sent to russia and this was actually something that happened that some British soldiers were sent to Russia to try and interfere with the revolution to, and that was stuff I never remember learning about in history. So it was actually, it was really interesting from that standpoint as well, that I was actually learning stuff. I was having, a, I was, a, it was a good story an entertaining story with good characters, but I was also learning some stuff I didn't know at the same time. So yeah, I really enjoyed that, and I'm definitely gonna gonna read the others. Excellent. Um, are they chunky books? Sorry. How 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 big are these books? Uh, about this. It was about eight hundred pages, so quite Ooh. quite a that's large, quite, quite a big large book. But it was it was really enjoyable. I think. Uh, how long did it take me? It only took me about two weeks because I enjoyed it so much. So that's I read it pretty thing. quickly. Must have been um, quite well written. Yeah, it is. Of, well, I think um, Ken Follett, he also wrote uh, Pillars of Eternity, which is like one of the best um, best-selling books worldwide. I th- that's been made into a TV sh- show, I'm certain. I've definitely of. heard of that. Yeah, of he's that. so he's he's a, he's a good writer and I really enjoyed it. Yeah, what else? Uh, Battle Ready, uh, that was by Ollie Ollerton, one of the SAS guys. Um I read that. That was one of the ones which came out during lockdown, so <laughs> that got added to my pile, and I read that. That's kind of... It touches on some of the stuff that he's written in his previous book, but it's kind of... Uh, it's kind of to do with uh, mental strength, and um, like he's got various exercises and recommendations on stuff to read or things for you to do. Um, 
in in that book so again i think that's that's one i could definitely go back and reread sections of again but i know i talk a lot about the sas books and those guys so i won't talk too much about that another one um the almighty dollar uh by dosh doshini david that was quite interesting because it's it was something a bit different because i think like you i tend to focus on fiction or um, military history um, they're my go-to books whereas this was more economics so it's quite it's quite interesting because it kind of follows um, someone buying something in a store in America and how one of those dollars kind of travels its whole way through throughout the financial system of the world so how so, so did this woman actually spend the dollar and then track that dollar or no using mathematics to predict what it likely happened what likely happened to it no 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 so it's um it this the the person is completely fictional the person the author is talking about said oh this person went into walmart and bought um this radio and then that the money that was used some of that that dollar then goes to uh china where the um uh, where the radio was uh, made, but the components were bought from so and so, so the um, from this other country, and then the dollar winds up there, and that con- that country needs to buy oil to run the factories, and that um, the dollar then goes to this country for the oil, and that country then needs uh, money for weapons. So the the dollar then goes to Russia, where they bought the weapons from, and this Russian person is buying real estate in Germany. And so it kind of all various, various stages of the economics um, that it goes through. And there was stuff there that I, um, I'd learned about before at like school and university, like, uh, learned about arms deals and shady Russian <laughs> real estate deals. No, no, uh, like various economic processes. I learned from like geography or, um, learning about development classes from, uh, like world development from like university so there were bits there i knew and it was kind of like a refresh it's like oh yeah i remember that and i remember how that works and that's really interesting and then there was other bits like learning about the 2008 financial crisis where i knew little bits and but not much and then that the book covered that so i got a better understanding of that so that was quite interesting because it was quite different from what i'd usually read mm-hmm. um they uh, one I've finished today uh, was called Never Quit uh, by a guy called Jimmy Settle. Um, again, another military book, funnily enough. But this was. <laughs> Who'd have thought, Henry? Who'd have thought? You reading the military book? I know, but um, it was about. Quite a, a lot of the book was actually just about his training to get into this position in the military. So he became a pararescue um, operative or a PJ as they're nicknamed, but about 70% of the book is literally just about the training he had to do. Cause it's, he has to, he has to do, um, he has to do like the initial, uh, uh, assessments to become an airman. And then he has to learn to become a parrot. He has to learn the basics of, um, airborne, um, so he has to learn how to use a parachute and stuff. He has to do diving and then he has to do paramedic courses. So he goes through all these courses, which take about two, three years. Oh, um, so it's like, it's really impressive because I was thinking, oh, blimey, this book 
does take up a lot about his training. But when you think about it, he's basically trained to fight, to um, to be to be a medic, to um, jump out of planes. So he goes through so much training. It's really it's actually really interesting. So yes, those those are pretty much all the uh, like a highlight reel of the books I've been reading, apart from the one we will get onto later. Um, which I know you've read as well, but are there any others you want to talk about before that? The only other one that I was going to mention, um, I thought I'd tackle one of the big names in fantasy um, during lockdown. So I read the first book in the Wheel of Time called The Eye of the World. Um, and it's a very chunky book. It's about 800 pages. Uh, the writing is very small and it was written, I think it's a couple of decades ago now, maybe more. I think it might have been written in the 80s. Don't quote me on that. But I think it might be about when it was written. So that's 40 years. Um, so I'm thinking, right, I'm going to struggle. The language is going to be what I'm used to. Uh, it's going to be very like stuffy. Writing is going to be quite outdated. Values concerning um, women and people of other races and cultures. And I was completely wrong, actually. It was a really addictive to read. Um, like there's plenty of female role models. Uh, there's fair um, cultural representation, um, and I just loved it. It's, it really brought me back to. It made me feel like I was a boy again, reading like a proper decent fantasy story with questions. Shit, and I had a good time, and I was very surprised, but. I would happily pick up, in fact, I already have picked up a very nice edition of the second book in the series, um, which I'm just looking at. It's off to my right, and I can't wait to pick it up. Nice. So, is it, how many are in the series? Is it quite a long series? Yeah, so, uh, oh god. Um, uh, I don't think the author survived to finish the series. Um, Sorry, who was the author? I don't think you mentioned. Oh, I'm sorry, but Robert Jordan. Um, so he actually contracted another writer called Braden Sanderson to finish it for <laughs> <laughs> And um, I'm not the biggest Braden Sanderson fan. I love most of his works, especially The Reckoners, especially um, the early Mistborn stuff. I love it. And sometimes I, I, he's a bit hit and miss for me. Let's say, mm-hmm. let's say that. Yeah, I think, I think I was going to say, I think you've mentioned some of his other books on the podcast and they haven't been your favourite. Right? <laughs> then other times you're like, oh, I love right. him, I love his books. I have a love-hate relationship with Brad and Sanderson. As a, <laughs> as a writer, as a person, I respect him immensely, however. Uh, I think I've spoken about some of his um, new lectures on YouTube before. They've actually been yes. really interesting and useful. And you should definitely check them out. I would actually say... I found them more motivational than videos by Neil Gaiman and other things that I've seen. Mm. When I say inspirational, I mean more informative, if you like. Yeah, informative and useful for you as a writer. Absolutely. Like, like actual um, uh, tips, tricks, information. It was sort of like I was in science class. What's in the lectures? It's like I was in science class again. And I was being taught how to do a process. But that process was writing. <laughs> And I must, I must prefer that. Maybe that's just my mind being too logical. More, more creative and more enjoyable for you than sitting in a stuffy classroom, I'm sure. Oh, 100%. Explo- <laughs> exploding bunts of burners or not. Yeah. 
Anyway, let's move on to the one that I know you're itching to talk about, and I certainly am. Because we, because I know you, I know you read it at a similar time to me. Because again, this is another book that came. (laughs) This is another book that came out during um, lockdown. It's from both one of mine and one of yours, one of our favourite authors. But we haven't we haven't actually discussed it outside the podcast, have we? Because we said we'd save it. Yes, and that's true. So yeah, I don't actually not. know what you thought of it and you don't know what I thought of it. I think I've got a general idea. I think you told me some of what you thought before I read it. So I was mm-hmm. like, should I read this next? And you think you get to talk me into it a little bit. Yeah. And so the book we're talking about is uh, from the series Skullduggery Pleasant by uh, Derek Landy. Um, and it's the and it's... Seasons of War. Yes. I really enjoyed it. I really <laughs> I'm, enjoyed it. I'm just going to go straight <laughs> off the bat. I really, really enjoyed this I really, one. I, I, to be fair, even though Scott Dougree has um, been one or two recently that I haven't greatly enjoyed, I still love to see the series. I've got a theory, right, Henry, and that mm. when you've read enough books about the same characters, these characters are now your friends. And regardless of what they do, you're going to love them because they're your friends now. That's, and so has been what 13 14 Scott W Pleasant books oh I think more in, if you include the spin-offs I think this oh. is because he did the original series and there were what nine in that there were about two or three spin-offs okay, and then the he did main season main series he uh, did like Resurrection Res- number 10 I'm, I'm at my computer let me let me look this up Anyway, the the point I'm making is there's been more than 10 books about these two people, Skodugri and Valkyrie. By now, we know them inside out. We know them, because I mean, I think I must have been 12 when I started reading this series. So I've been reading this this series for 11 years. And a Skodugri Pleasant book came out. It was released in in September. My birthday is in September. So every year for my birthday, there would be one of these books waiting for me. And that would be like the highlight of my year. This this is the thirteenth book, so there were it nine in the original series, um, and there have been four in the reboot so far. I think there were um, there were two spin-offs as well. Mm. And so by now, these characters, the main characters, like Skadogri, Valkyrie, Tanith, you know and love them. Mm. Anything written by them in the same style that you're used to, you're going to enjoy. Which is not to say that Seasons of War is bad, and that we've just been brainwashed into loving it. It was good. Yeah, definitely. But, I mean, we're going to love it regardless. But that's the thing, I think we've, there was one of the, there was, I think it was two books previous, I think it was Midnight, where we both Mm. just agreed that it was our least favourite one. I think, there was one. There's one character in Midnight who's quite prominent, who I just didn't like. He's and he he wasn't in. So he fits my theory because he wasn't in very many previous. It's got to be pleasant books, um, and I just and I I just I really didn't like that character. Uh, anyone but that character could have been the bad guy in Midnight, and I've been happy. But him. Yeah, but um, yeah, I really, I really like the pacing of this book because it's. It's set over the course of a year because it is the seasons of war. It's set o- over the four seasons, mm. 
but it's it goes through it quite rapidly and some people are like oh i don't want a book to go rapidly but i actually really enjoyed it it felt I very love books that have a very fast brisk pace to them mm. i love brisk quick books not not, not quick but fast paced books are my jam it kind of like so non-stop I, I, action almost like an action film it's exactly exactly uh, that uh, it doesn't have to be action it just has to have this sort of energy to the writing and i'll just uh, I'll, I'll be hooked and i'll just ride the energy along and i'll be like oh the book's over mm-hmm. they'd be like coming down off a high but and that, that, that that's what i like yeah um so uh, um, it really delivered on on on, on that front yeah i i another thing I, I liked the pace to it but i also liked how many twists and turns there were like there were certain <laughs> things that happened i was like it was I a did... bit emotional at times i will admit it yeah. was a bit like oh no oh no no yeah i do you mind going i think we should should go into spoilers because mm. i don't think we can okay. really do talking about it justice book, if you want to read this book and you want to go in blind this is your spoiler yeah warning. so i'll include a um a time stamp in I, the, the uh, description stamp. do that weird youtuber shit okay so spoilers what are you gonna say henry i well quite a few things uh one um is it sarah Sar- i can't say his name saccharine saracen 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 uh Rue. i i didn't expect i thought i was like surely valkyrie is going to turn up and be able to save him in time surely she uh oh no he's dead well, it was a very okay it, okay it was a, well it was firstly, a very firstly we didn't actually see his body and my rule when viewing any sort of fantasy media if you don't see the body you can't count them as dead you know what Derek landy is capable of you know he could come back at any point but you also know that if he didn't get killed, he got left in the world full of zombies, basically. He, yes. How's he going to come back from that? Well, they, they took out the zombies. No, they closed the portal where the rest of the world was full of zombies. For all you know, in the next book, they'll have to go back and there'll be Saracen. like King of the Zombies. Something like a throne <laughs> of skulls or something. That would be pretty good. I'd read that. Nah. Anyway, um, a bit of pleasant trivia for you before they revealed in seasons of war what his power was um derek landy left saracen rue's power completely open to interpretation until a fan cornered him at i don't know a book signing or comic-con or something like that and and asked him what his power was or maybe it was in an interview i honestly i, I don't quote me on this i, I, I my memory is patchy anyway i know derek landy did say that saracen rue's power that, you know that that enigmatic phrase i know things he's that, that he has that power because his real name is derek landy <laughs> <laughs> which means now because you know throughout the series there's all these jokes about all these women who have slept with saracen rue and how they just can't resist him <laughs> now you know <laughs> this whole his whole character has been derek landy making fun of his own sexual prowess <laughs> So he basically, basically killed himself off. Well, that, that's the thing. So many people, who anyone who knew that bit of trivia would be like, there's no way Derek Land is going to kill off his own character. <laughs> no one is safe in Scott W. Pleasant. No mm. one is safe in Scott W. Pleasant. Not even the own author. Not even the author himself is safe in his own book. Yeah. It's like Game of Thrones. No one's safe. 
What? Well, no, George R. R. Martin, if he wrote himself into Game of Thrones, he would just be like, set himself up in the brothel, and now he'd just stay there for the whole War of the Five Kings. Uh, well, it, um, what uh, Saracen's uh, death in the book reminded me of, it kind of reminded me of, of Mice and Men, with like Lenny, where they yeah, take, yeah. take him out into the field and shoot him. It made me think of that. Do you see yeah, what I mean? No, no, I, no I, 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 get what, I get where you're coming from. Oh, yeah. with a bit more humour and zombies. <laughs> yeah. But um, another thing that really caught me off guard but I also really enjoyed was the, the death of the King of the Darklands because they'd been building up to that and then it just suddenly happened and you're like, oh, damn. Yeah. Oh, there it was. Yeah. It was, in a way, it was slightly anticlimactic but I think that was kind of the genius of it that they'd yeah. been building up for it for so long. I thought that's going to be this really big major event and then it kind of just... Happened. happened but I think that's I, I really fair, enjoyed that that. that that whole subplot I hadn't really been, been paying attention to like, I enjoyed the omen and augur shit and like resurrection but by by this point I was a bit bored of omen yeah you've said that to me before that it wasn't one of your favourite things but I think I thought oh maybe Tom will enjoy this a bit more now that that's kind of wrapped up in its yeah but he's not he's, he's not gonna go away is he he's, he's still gonna be there no still there but um yeah that was good and uh oh, the other one where it's um malevolent uh invaded um and then now they're kind of, he, him and his wife are kind of trapped sort oh, of yeah, i love that i love that prison where it's like um <laughs> it's amazing prison for you oh and you have to go in and we'll kill your wife and then that happens and then he goes in there willingly to save her yeah and they're kind of there, trapped. For, yeah, because it's the he, eternity. He experienced her last moments for eternity. Yeah, that was that was a really clever twist as well that I that, really liked. Yeah, again, I didn't see it coming at all. Like the eternity thing, I was like, I can't even remember. There were certain things in the books I had to go back and Google because I was like, I couldn't remember this. Um, I've, always, I've always had that was called Dougie Pleasant. I think if you read the books, like the whole series back to back, it would actually be better. <laughs> Because sometimes, like, when I read Resurrection, there were characters like Temper Frey who were introduced as if I should already know who they are. So yeah. I, I thought Temper Frey was a character who'd been in, in previous books. Um, so I, I don't think he, I don't really think he's that original for Derek, a, a Derek Landy character. So I definitely think that I have read him in this book somewhere previously. Um, but he wasn't. Resurrection was his, was his first appearance. Mm-hmm. Um uh, and it's always been like that for me, reading Cosmic Classics. Oh, yeah, there were various bits I had to go back and Google to remind me who's this character or what's that thing. I think they, like, exactly. they mentioned the Kith at one point, and I was like, what the Kith? And I had to go and Google well, that it. That was only the last book. That was only the book before, Henry. Come on. Yeah, but that came out a year, that came out a year ago, and a lot's happened yeah. in a year. But, a lot's um, happened in a year. Uh, another thing, uh, two other things was, like you mentioned Temper Frey, how... Um, there was the bit at the end where someone betrayed him, which he didn't see coming. So there's that. What I liked was that set up. There's various things that have been uh, set up in this book for the next one, and that was one of them that I yeah. really enjoyed. That there's a lot that's been set up that I didn't see coming, but is also really interesting. One of the main things is that Dark Darkress is back, and she's basically given birth to herself to experience. Uh, uh... All the Being dark human stuff is so weird. Uh, like when she was in um, the original series, turning living people into rubber ducks. 
Did she turn someone into a chair once? Like she completely de- deconstructed someone into like their pure like molecules and then just reconstructed them as a chair. Didn't that happen? Yep, yeah, yep, yeah, she did that too. Yeah, I thought so. Yep, yep, she did that. Yeah, but that's the thing. That is the pr- that is the so premise think, of her being in this in this book weird. is that she's, she's a very weird character. Right, she's basically god level, but she's trying to experience what it is to be human to decide whether it's worth saving the world. And so she basically experienced everything in the world. And it's like I'm going to re- be reborn, and she basically gives birth to herself. That was such so strange, but also <laughs> so unique in a way. It's a very unique, interesting idea. But I don't like these characters who are all powerful and like God. What I want is a really interesting, tough, gritty, magical fight between Scott Duggery and Valkyrie and some bad guy. What I don't want is them to go, oh, we're up against a God. We've now got to get some sort of weapon or power that's godlike in its own right to fight them. And then it's less of a battle between like wills, a battle between like. Um, determination and skill there's more battle between who's got the bigger weapon it's like an arms race and i i don't like it as much it's not as interesting for me so who's got who's got the bigger stick or who's got the bigger gun who's got the bigger dick <laughs> yeah exactly i'm not i'm not i'm not down for that just have he's he's, he's the detective he's got Dougie pleasant is the skeleton detective let him go and solve a mystery let him go and solve a crime stop bringing gods into this it's magic. It's magic, though, Tom. It is a fantasy series about magic. So have fantasy crimes, magical crimes. There's so many people. Like every single character you meet in the Tommy Pleasant universe is up to something. Everyone is up to something. There's so many psychopaths in that world that when they actually meet a serial killer, I'm surprised they're not like, oh, another one. Like think about think about how easy it is for you to hire a killer or assassin or whatever. In that universe, like there are these immortal people who can do amazing things with magic, and all they want to do is kill other people. But yeah, he's got he's he's got other world-ending matters to deal with. That's the thing; he's not really a detective. He's really world world saver extraordinaire. Yeah, um, but yeah, I, th- I feel like we've gone a bit off on a tangent there, or at least you have. Um, oh, yeah, massively. Yeah, I tend to do that. But yeah, the dark dark quest bit, I um, I quite, I quite, I really want to know who the Sebastian character is, the um, the uh, witch doctor. Four books now, and we still don't know, but I really want to know who that is. So that's going to be interesting. Um, so so my theory is, I had a theory, I've forgotten what the theory was. I think he's from another reality, and he can't live in that in our reality. Hence why he wears that suit. Because he says if he takes off the suit, he'll die. That's actually a really good idea. That's really interesting. That's the sort of thing Derek Landy will do. Yeah. So he needs Dark Quest to do something in our reality to save his reality. Ah, that's interesting. We'll have to see if in future books your prediction turns out right. Um, I reckon he needs Dark Quest to destroy our reality to save his. <laughs> no, you don't know. You'll see. We'll see, I guess. Um, what else? Oh, yeah, that reminded me of another thing. Um, Chris, uh, Chris Grip, what's, uh, someone Vise, what's his name? He's got, they, that's the problem with, Vise. that's the problem with Skullduggery is that everyone has, names. you can't, I was tutoring this, um, 
this teenage boy to read. I was helping him learn to read because he was dyslexic. And we got to the name of a character. We were reading Armageddon out of here. And we got to the name of one of the characters, Obloquai. And he looks at this word and looks at me and I'm like, okay, don't worry. No one is expecting you to be able to say that word. <laughs> like, I can't expect this 11-year-old to know how to say that. Yeah. That's one of the slight problems with the Skullduggery books is the names are all really weird. and so different. What, what was it? Sorry, I couldn't pronounce it. Um, what, uh, what the character's name? Yeah, Crepuscular Rise. Yeah, I think it was really interesting how. Again, this is another thing that I I like is that it's setting up stuff for the future and how he's now become friends with Omen. But you know, yeah. this he's a shady character, so I'm like, what's gonna happen <laughs> when well, 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 he, he he's killed people and we've seen him kill people. Yeah. But also, what I really liked, he referenced. A line of dialogue from way back in the first book. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. He's said stuff that makes us think he's from the previous books. And I'm like... But if you remember in the first series, um, there are references to what Ravel and people were going to do throughout each book. Yeah. I think there's been references to what Crepuscular Vise is going to do throughout each book. I think there's been references to him before. At the end of Seasons of War... Um, two things I want to mention about that. Firstly, I was I I was honestly thinking that they saved the wrong Skodoggery. That actually the Skodoggery, you know, the bit where he walks in to report to China and he's still got the sword and everything. I honestly thought that was Lord Vile. Yeah, I I was I, thinking I, I, maybe that was going to happen, but then I honestly thought he was about to kill China. I was like, come on. Anyway, but it, he didn't. What he but what did happen was China mentioned someone else's name. Yes. And I yes. think that I think that's Crepuscular Vice's real name. Yes. And I also swear we've heard that name in the series before. Yeah, it was like, oh, don't forget about uh what Detective happened to Solomon's or something. Yes, and I was like, oh, I bet that's um I Chris... bet that's Crepuscular Vice. Yeah. And I bet we've heard him somewhere before. I reckon if we reread all the other Stuckey Peasant books. We will find more references. Now, I we'll find out more about him. And that's the thing. I was thinking the same thing. So I tried to look it up, up online. And I couldn't actually find anything. I couldn't find anything of I that character's name. There's a Discord net. server or Reddit uh, page somewhere where people are discussing this. Mm. But yeah, it's funny that you, you mentioned that because I was like, oh, I was thinking the exact same thing. That's really interesting. Um, so yeah, I really like how this, this book's set up. Um, various things that are going to come in the future or will happen in the next book and we'll, all these things we'll learn. There was one other thing um, which I wanted to talk about and it's, it, uh, it skipped my mind now that we've talked about that. No, I can't remember it. <laughs> it's gone. It's gone. It's gone. It's gone. Yeah. But yeah, I really like that how there's so much that's been set up for the next book and there's also all these twists and turns that came in the book that I wasn't expecting but yeah the bit the bit where you said um, oh will it be the wrong Skullduggery I was thinking what happens if they got the Skullduggery from the or Lord Vile from the other universe and they managed to turn him back into Skullduggery would there be two Skullduggeries like that was I was like thinking imagine how much they would roast Valkyrie <laughs> how... I, I could just imagine the dialogue they'd basically be unstoppable as well <laughs> The wit that would come out of those pages. Mm. Ah, I remember the uh, other thing now. Um, ah, Serpin. Serpin, that his... Um, Serpine. Serpine. That he kind of sort of went through a redemption arc and he both lost his yeah. one 
touched Death's hand and then Valkyrie actually helped him get a new hand, a new hand by using like completely new magic. I'm glad you mentioned that because that's something I wanted to point out. So they actually come to kind of not mind having Serpine around. Like Tanith and Valkyrie are actually starting to like him a little bit. Mm. He has done some terrible things in the series. Mm. Think about just how bad a person he is. Are they okay but then, with that? But then his argument would be, but I'm from a different universe. <laughs> but he's done the same shit. <laughs> so, so, some of the... Some, some of the same shit. Not all of it, I don't think. Because they're. To be fair, I do like his character. Yeah, I do like his character. I, I have to admit, even even I began to he like began to grow on me as well. So I actually <laughs> he's actually a bit more interesting and a bit better reckon, of a better character than I thought. But I that's a testament that's to yeah, that's a testament to Derek Landy's writing. I think they that you take this despicable character and you actually turn them around and make them at least a little bit more likeable you like grow you grow used to them as the characters grow used to them um however i do think he's gonna betray them he's uh, inevitably going to betray them yeah it depends on what situations will now happen in the future books i think he might be a bit more on the side of valkyrie because she's actually helped him she's shown him compassion by helping him get his hand back so it'll be interesting to see where his loyalties lie in the future it's um interesting as oh, that it, the thing is talking about it now it keeps on reminding me of various things like uh Damocles Creed and how he's now taken Democles over Creed. Creed and how he's I love I love Landy's names have this rhythm to them mm. Democles Creed Crepuscular Vise it's how he's taken over the high sanctuary and like Nefarian Serpine yeah but it's how um he's taken over the high sanctuary now and China's basically in a coma. And I'm like, oh, this cannot, this is not going to go this well. This is not going to go well. This is not going to go well. Yeah. But mm. uh, that's another thing. Um, Mevelyn's wife's siblings are like these amazing warriors from the back in the war. Did they actually manage to kill any of Mevelyn's elite warriors in the actual war? Because there's so many that keep popping up. Like, ah, that's another one of Mevelyn's elite guys. I had to fight him so many times back in the war. Why did anyone actually do anything back then? That's the thing. Everyone's so on par that they can't kill each other. Yeah, they're just, just like, oh, come on. There's fights endlessly. Yeah, that. I think, that again, that was another thing that's kind of been set up for the future, that uh, it's not all going to go well there. Um, yeah, I like, again, I like the pace. I liked how it's set up a lot of things for the future. A lot of unexpected things happened. That was really enjoyable. I did not see the love in the love relationship between Temper and that assassin. Oh yeah, I didn't see that. <laughs> did not see that coming. You didn't see that coming. I think it was a bit rushed, if you ask me. I com- I, I completely agree. Yeah, that was a bit random and a bit rushed, but I guess it's for yeah. story point. Comedic, st- really. Yeah, sort of. Um, yeah. Anything else you want to say about the book? I think I've covered most of what I want to say. I mean, to be fair, this whole lockdown thing has dragged on so much. It's actually been weeks and weeks and weeks since I read it. Yeah, um, it came out, what, mid-April? and went. Yeah. yeah. So it was about five, six weeks ago since I actually read it. But A month and a half. It's been a month and a half ago. Yeah. That's the thing. Hopefully now that we, if this all goes, this all goes well with the remote recording, we'll start to be able to release a bit more often. Get a few more yeah, episodes ho- done. Absolutely. That is the plan. 
yeah. Any? Uh, I think I've gone through all my books. Were there any others? Um. Oh, you know me. I could talk all day about fantasy books, but I think I will spare you. What? What? I think I will spare you my. What are you uh, reading next, or what are you reading at so the moment? I have just started reading. Um, the fourth book in the PC Grant series, uh, which is Broken Homes by Ben Aronovich. And um, it's been described by um, the Sunday Times bestselling author Deanna Gabaldon as what would happen if Harry Potter grew up and joined the fuss. I've never heard of this series. What's it about? It's about um, a um, young black man who joins the Met Police and um, gets sent off to this lesser-known department of the Met Police, um, possibly out of racism, but that's open to interpretation. And um, it turns out this lesser-known department, which is it's open to interpretation because that lesser-known department could have headhunted him. Anyway, that lesser-known department is actually run by a wizard, and it's the Met Police's supernatural investigation department blah 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 blah. this I'm sure you've... sounds awesome <laughs> so i'm sure you've heard henry of low or seen loads of american cop shows where they investigate the supernatural like i don't know um lucifer um grim um his name to name two where there's like police procedural stuff um but they're investigating supernatural crimes yeah. but that's it's very american like it's mm. American police. So they're all strapping a gun and they'll send like two detectives who are hard-boiled mavericks. The PC Grant series is British policing. And it's very, oi, oi, oi. What's going on here then? What's going on here? <laughs> they are cockney actually. Very, very, very cockney. But it actually shows you real police procedure. Like, did you know a murder inquiry with all the actual resources and manpower that you'd need? An actual murder inquiry cost about a quarter of a million pounds. To execute. I mean. And they don't show you that on American police procedurals. No. I mean, if if the Portland PD were having to pay that every time there's a murder on Grimm, they would be bankrupt. The city of Portland would be bankrupt. <laughs> <laughs> Think about it. Um, but I, and so I really, I really like how down-to-earth British it is. Like it's got loads of British humour. It's got loads of references to London and London's history, and it's just really well done. Like this is a spoiler, but it's it's, it's what I think sums up the series. And while it, it's it's very it's a very minor incident. At some at one point, they discover there's a nest of vampires in London, and so they're very 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 sensible. They bomb that nest to shit. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. No theatrics. They don't go and reason with the vampires or try and cure them or any bullshit like that. They call in the army and they just deal with it. <laughs> that's what i like about this series it's it's witty it's it's kind of a, a british no nonsense just yeah stiff up a lip vampires let's call in the, the army no uh, problems here oh this sounds really i've never heard of this this actually sounds really interesting i'm gonna uh, the first book is called rivers of london and I'll, it's actually a graphic novel out for it as well oh i think you've um, mentioned it before rivers of london a while ago I'd now prob- i'd probably have yeah i'll let you borrow it in fact i, I i'll just write you a list of my top urban fantasy books <laughs> and you can just work your way through those um, but this will definitely be on it yeah 
Oh, that's interesting. Oh, that yeah, I really I really want to read that now. That sounds really interesting. Yeah, that's good. I've um carrots and PC Grant. <laughs> it's just so relatable. Like one hundred percent relatable. Like um in, in like the police um like supernatural police hates you, they've got a dog that lives there. So he'll be like, Oh, I'll just take the dog for a walk. Takes the dog, walks around the corner to the local pub, and then gets a pipe instead. <laughs> <laughs> It's like yes, I'm one hundred percent on board with this character, and <laughs> after my own heart. Uh, yeah. Um, so yeah, I think uh, my next one because um, I I finished the book I mentioned earlier, Never Quit. I finished that earlier today, actually. So I think my um, my next one is called, uh, or at least the one I plan to read next is uh, Forgotten Heroes of the Victoria Cross. Which is one my uh, nan gave me uh, recently. I think she found it in a charity sh- shop, um, and then she gave it to me for my birthday. Um, this, uh, I think it it goes from about well, uh, it's actually no, I think it's even like conflicts before World War One, but it goes through um, accounts of people who've earned the Victoria Cross, mm-hmm. either from their personal accounts or people who saw the uh, the action take place so really again interesting another... because my flatmate's great grandfather actually earned the victorian cross hmm. victoria cross do you know his so name actually, um yeah his surname i don't know what his first name was but i can find out but his surname was dean he won it in world war Two. so i don't know if he counts i i know he he was quite well known around surrey he was like an influential mason I highly doubt he is what you'd call a forgotten um, recipient of the Victoria Cross. Mm. I, he is, I mean, Dan went to um, ceremonies honouring him and so on. So I don't know if he'd be in the forgotten section of the book, but it'd be very interesting to see if he is. Yeah, well, I'll, uh, yeah, let me know the name and I'll, once I read the book, because um, I haven't started it yet, I'll report my... This, um, yeah... I think it'll be interest. It would definitely be interesting to read. I think again, it's sort of up my alley. It's his, it's historical, but yeah, the sort of thing like um, military endeavors that show a great amount of determination and endurance and spirit. Like these people, they're actually living the lessons that you've been reading about in those other books. Mm. But um, uh, yeah, I think it'd be interesting because. Uh, uh, there's a, I think there's a series on Netflix called Medal of Honor where it's like a docudrama series where it, I think there's eight episodes and it shows um, recipients <laughs> shows recipients of the Medal of Honor um, and what they did and it's historians talking but then they've also like done little dramatized bits to go with it so you can kind of see what happens. I love um, documentaries like that. Y- I know other people hate it when they over-dramatise documentaries and things. But I actually really like the documentaries. Yeah. I think um, they really add to a documentary. But that's just the romanticist in me. He wanted to actually see some action and not get bored, probably. But um, after watching that, I was like, oh, I really want to see a Victoria Cross edition. Like, see what... Uh, learn about, like, um, like British troops or Commonwealth troops who, who've earned the Victoria Cross. And, and so this book is kind of like... Um, I think it'll be quite interesting because I'll get to see that and learn a bit of history that I, ha- I don't know. So yeah, I think on the next uh, next podcast I'll have to report on um, report on that. But yeah, that's my next book. So, uh, I haven't started it yet. Um, 
so yeah, I thought seeing as it's been <laughs> been a while since <laughs> we've sat down and talked and the world situation is very funny at the moment. Well, what have before we finish, I watched a TV show that I don't know if you've seen. I recently watched all the way through The Mandalorian. I haven't seen it yet, but I've heard it is oh, really, really to. good. You have to. It is so good. It's so good. And there's so there's Easter eggs in it that'll make you go, ah! And there's other things that if you recognise them and you know... Mm. Like, I don't know how Disney could screw up the sequel trilogy so much, but what, everything they do that's still set in like the Galactic Civil War, Age of Rebellion, they could still do that so right. Yeah. Well, this is uh, Star Wars we're talking about because you just launched it. I was like, oh, it's the Mandalorian. I was like, it's Star Wars for people who don't oh, yeah. know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sorry. I just got excited there. I was like, oh, Mandalorian. Um, but no, f- f- funny enough, you mentioned that because my, my next question was going to be, what have you been doing during uh, <laughs> what have you been doing during the lockdown? Because it's, yeah, it's been a while since we chatted. So I thought, oh, I'll ask you what, what you've been, um, been, been doing. So um, Mandalorian's well, one I've of them. Actually done, I've been Mandalorian. I've actually been doing a lot of volunteering, actually. And That's good. For the record, I've sort of volunteering that I can do. So from the safety and comfort of my own sofa. <laughs> making welfare calls primarily but it actually, it's actually draining so I haven't had very much um, energy to do much else I've been doing, I'm addicted to Animal Crossing yes, is you, that is one thing I know that you've constantly mentioned you're like, no, I'm just playing some Animal Crossing I'm, I'm making my island look really nice and pretty <laughs> Henry, you knock it, but this, island, this game is huge there's something called Nookazon which is like Amazon, but for in-game Animal Crossing items and I can get millions and millions and millions of in-game currency for 80p. And there's a real-life human being who will connect with me on that game, come to my island, and give me that stuff for 80p. <laughs> That's how big this game is. They love it so much, they'll waste their time getting the money for me and bringing it to me. Don't Wait, so you spent 80p? I haven't actually done that yet. Oh. I'm, not, I'm not a cheater. I, was... I just researched it just to see how far it will go. And I can literally go on the internet right, right now and buy any item I want on that game. And as a human being, at any time of day, he will bring it to me. Oh, wait, so this isn't actually a feature in the game. It's something people have done outside the game. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, no, it's, it's a fan-made website. There are fan-made websites out there where people will go and get the item in the game and then sell it to you. Oh, uh, okay. I was like, that sounds like a microtransaction or something right in the middle of it. Oh, no, 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 no. It's a fan-made thing. There are people making a living from selling in-game items of this game, like uh, Counter-Strike. Well, I um, uh, I think I was talking to another friend who's been playing it, and apparently there's like a really... Cause don't you have villagers who turn up on the island? Apparently there's a really rare yeah. one. So people have been selling their copies to other people for like ridiculous amounts just because they found yeah. this villager who then joined that yeah. island and was like, oh, I want that. So people have been buying games off people for like hundreds of pounds. Yeah, yeah. Um, some of these villagers, if you go on Amazon and type in Animal Crossing Amiibo cards, you can actually buy these cards of the villagers. And like a normal villager is like a, like a tenor. And then you can scan that card into your game and you can get the villager to come to your island. Hmm. Um, it, it is that big. I don't know. The ones that are popular, I'm not too such a fan of. I like the weird ones. Like I, I, On my island, there's a monkey that wears lipstick. 
there's a kangaroo that's got like a little baby joey in in her pouch which she completely ignores never feeds never does anything and the baby perfectly mimics her facial expressions at all times it's so creepy you have to have to call uh, animal crossing social services (laughs) 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 yeah um there's a crocodile um who resembles like his uh, skin and facial features resemble a pair of crocs <laughs> for those who don't know it's a it, it, it's a kids game basically and you like control this island and and like these anthropomorphic animals can come and live on the island and those are the villagers and uh, you spend your time on the island it, it, it's a life simulator so you just live out your life on this island doing random island shit and it's it, it it is the only reason i still have serotonin in my head <laughs> i wake up and the first thing i want to do is go to Panama crossing and I, and I, it's like I, I, I have this like mini high when it, when it comes on the screen and the music plays. It's like ah, Animal Crossing. I, I would say you need to get outside more, but that isn't. <laughs> <laughs> I can't. I physically can't. Physically I've got can't. an excuse. I've got an excuse. Uh, it might. It might also. My morning coffee coincides with my morning Animal Crossing playing, so maybe that's the reason I have a mini high. Because <laughs> I have strong coffee. Uh, yeah, I've been um, catching up on the number of uh, TV series like uh, oh. Yeah, we are. I caught up on Vikings. I finally caught up on yes, that. Yes, Henry. Yes, Henry. I love Vikings. Dude, I was... I, I'm i going to say two things about it. I know, I, I know you didn't like the latest se- season. Yes, I, I, I found the like latest season a bit underwhelming, but the last episode did definitely catch me by surprise. Yeah. Um, for me, middle of season three, it peaked. Yeah. Vikings peaked. And since then, it's never really reached the same heights. It's been good, but it's, I, I want to see big set piece Viking battles. That's all I want. <laughs> big set piece. I want to see. When was the last time the Vikings raided anything? Apart from each other. Well, not even that. There's just there's no no one's being Viking anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. I. Uh, I've caught up on that another uh, another series which I think I mentioned before, New Amsterdam. Second part of season two came out, so I started watching that and I really enjoyed I've that. Seen that, I've seen um, that it's really good. I usually I don't like um, uh, programs to do with um, it's like a hospital drama. I don't usually like those, but this one's so well done. The characters are so well written and the actors are amazing. That I actually it's one of my all time favorite shows now. Um, what else? Uh, I've recently started watching. Uh, it's called The Last Dance on Netflix, and it's to do with um, basketball. It's like a documentary about basketball. But I've heard so many people go on about it that I started uh, watching it. And I think I'm four four episodes in. I'm really actually really enjoying it. It's quite it's quite good. It's like about. Um, I think I'll be giving that one a miss. Yeah, I was gonna say it probably doesn't appeal to you, um, <laughs> but I've really I've really enjoyed that. Even as someone who I can't claim to be a basketball fan or not know or know much about it rather. Um, but that's actually been really enjoyable. Then a couple of, I rewatched my hero academia, completely rewatched that. And I've been watching, uh, one you recommended, uh, black Clover. Black Clover. Oh, that's such a good anime. Yeah. Oh, I love, I, I love black Clover. I think I'm on episode 60 now. Not even halfway. Come on, Henry. Yeah, but I've got. There's a lot to catch up on. There's over a hundred <laughs> episodes. So yeah, that's I, nothing. So I've been, yeah, I've been watching a bit of that as well. 
And then, as for get, I love how everyone in the Black Clover universe has their own form of magic. Yeah, they get the spells that they need to do, what the sort of things they need to do in their lives. Uh, I, I love everyone having magic. I would love to have magic. I think a lot of people would agree with you there. But I think too many people in that world have combat magic. I, no, I think that's because the, the sh- all the main characters yeah. are soldiers. Yeah. So that's why you see it. Whereas normal peasant would have like, oh, I can make it rain to feed my crops, or oh, I can summon magical items to help me do my handyman job. I, I don't think you really see that, do you? So no, I, I think I think they can at least show that happening in the background. Yeah, but it's never they're about never main really character. Show, I know, but they never really show anyone but the main characters ever using magic at all. And everyone else just seems helpless. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I did actually think that in one episode. There's like one episode where a city's getting attacked and everyone's yeah. just running away. And I'm like, I, I know it's... You've all got magic. You've all got magic. Yeah. And it's like, like, You literally have magic broomsticks to fly and yet you're running away. Yeah. <laughs> but no, I'm, I think it's not... I don't think it'll go down as one of my all-time favourites, but it's quite an easy watch, I have to admit. It's quite easy, easy just to watch, have there. Yes. And... Um, quite quite enjoyable. Um, there are some big twists coming, Henry. You're going to love it. I will. That'd be interesting. I'll let you know. I think when I I recommended another um, anime to you, Henry. Uh, Demon Slayer. I haven't got round to that yet. You need to watch that. That's won awards. It's got great music. It's got great writing. You really need to watch it. It's so good. That is probably one of my all-time favourite animes. Yeah, I've added it to the list, but I'm watching a couple of other series at the moment, so I'm trying not to get overwhelmed. Otherwise, I don't watch all of them. I try to get through a series and then move on to the next. Kind of like a book. I try and finish one series and then move on to another. Same with games, actually. And talking of games, I finally finished Witcher 3. <laughs> I think you long enough. It... Yeah, I think what well, I start. I think I started this back. I think I started back in either January or February. I think I finished it maybe like a week or two ago. So I finished it mi- middle of May. Uh, Sixty-eight hours is how long it took me to do the main story. I was doing like side quests and stuff as well. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, sixty-eight, sixty-eight. <laughs> but I have to admit, I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed. Now- I can th- I'm glad you enjoyed it, but now can you appreciate my dedication to read every single Witcher book and then play through all of the first Witcher game and then all of the second Witcher game and then all of the third Witcher game and its DLC? Have you done Imagine that? Imagine how long that's going to take me. Have you done that, though? No. I haven't even fucking started. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> but I'm going to do it. I'm, okay, to be fair, I've read lots of the Witcher books. Um... Which are really enjoyable, by the way. Um, it's going to take forever. I'm going to be sick of Dandelion <laughs> by the end of those games. I'm going to be like, he'll walk into view. I don't know if you can do the quick save in this game, but he'll walk into view and just go, quick save! By the way, have I got that song, Toss a Coin, stuck in your head yet? Oh, for crying out loud, I've forgotten about that until you... <laughs> but no, um, yeah, I've started the DLC for it. Uh, I, I got both DLC on sale, actually. I was like... Eh. I was really glad that I finished the game when I did because then I went to look for the DLC and they were on sale. So I got both of them for like £8. I was like, yes. Well, you haven't even done the DLC yet. No, so I've done the main story and I'm... And that took you 68 hours? Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah. Uh, it's oh it's gosh, a long it's a long game. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm two thirds of the way through the first uh, DLC, but I only started it a week ago, so I'm actually going through that a lot quicker than the main oh, game. Okay. My I've really enjoyed it, and I can see why so many people love it. But I do have one main gripe with it, and that's the things that affect the outcome are so, to me, inconsequential and so strange. I have to admit, I get where you're coming from, Henry, but in a realistic sense, in a, in a sense of realism, in life, sometimes it is the small things that can play a big part in a development situation. Mm, but it's... There's a, there's a, I won't go too spoiler heavily, but there's a, you think in a game like this, um, saying something or doing this thing, which leads to a character's death or saving that character that would, oh no, if I don't save that character, it will lead to the bad ending. If I save them, it will lead to the good ending. No, there's literally a part in the game where if you say, let's go for a drink, that. Uh, ends up leading to the bad ending but if you're like let's have a snowball fight that leads to the good ending and i'm like what that's i didn't know this of course but when i went back to look at it and i found out these are the things that lead to the good ending or the bad ending uh, i was like really and and the fact that the dialogue choices give no indication they're very similar in a way i was like how does... Why are you concerned about getting the good ending or the bad ending? Because I'm the type of person who goes for the good ending because it weighs on my moral... Oh, Henry, you're too goody two suits. Yeah. What you should be doing, you should be experiencing this as an experience. So you're not getting the good ending as opposed to the bad ending. This is the ending you've got. This is the playing ending. it through... Yeah making your choices but this is what you got but so the, I, I could then argue that it is my choice to get the good ending so that's like saying um you already know what's going to happen so you're making it happen this way because you prefer it happening this way well so i think do it in my opinion doing it that way deciding right i want to do it and get this outcome takes out a lot of the enjoyment i have i have to admit i because what the witcher witcher game is five years old i knew um what the various endings were because i couldn't i couldn't avoid it well in five years i couldn't avoid so i don't know what they are okay well i unfortunately i wasn't able to avoid the spoilers so i knew what they were and i was like okay this is the ending i want this is the ending i want to aim for on my playthrough so okay, that's different. And I suppose to a certain extent, people find out what the endings are. Like when I played Fallout New Vegas, I knew what the endings were, and I was like, "Well, I want to help this faction win. Mm. I like this faction." Um, so I did whatever I had to do to help that faction win. Um, but if I had the choice, if I play, if I play a video game where choices occur, I get the most enjoyment out of it by trying to make the natural choice I would make in that situation. And that, and if it goes badly. That's human error. That's life. Yeah, but I I agree with that because in um, CG Project Red's upcoming game Cyber uh, Cyberpunk, Cyberpunk 2077, I'm just going to play that. When is that coming out? When is that September. 
it's kind of September seventeenth, I think. So I'm just going to play that without knowing anything because I I don't want to be spoiled. But that's the thing with The Witcher. I kind of knew there's good endings, bad endings, and yes, I'm the kind of guy who goes for goody to shoot. I want a, the good ending. Um, so that's what I aimed for when I was playing the Witch Witcher game. But that's because that's what I wanted from it. Whereas when it comes to Cyberpunk. I'll be. I, I just want to play it and experience it. So I don't. I'm. I don't disagree with you. Go and enjoy. It. Go and experience it for just the fun of experiencing it. But with The Witcher, I wanted the good ending because I knew. Yeah, but, those, but it was just the choices that led to it. I just found was so odd and a bit random. And I think when you when you eventually play it, <laughs> then we'll be able to discuss it a bit more. But um, yeah. So I finally finished. The Witcher 3, I'm moving on to the DLC. That's the thing, that it's the only game I've completed this year because of how long it is. <laughs> it took you that long. Yeah. It took you that long. It's, yeah, there's just so much to it. It's what, like, I think like last year I finished like nine or ten games, which for me is quite a lot. But it's, it, we're halfway through the year now and I finished one game, albeit a long. It does not feel like halfway through the year. But... It, it's gone. I'm just like I've lost it all. Literally sitting on my ass. But the thing, I finished that. I've got Breath of the Wild still to play, and I've got um, Cyberpunk coming out later this year. This is going to be the year of the open world games for me. <laughs> I'm just not going to finish anything else. Oh, um, Henry. Um, anything else you've been up to? Keeping yourself busy. I watched. Um, I watched through the two seasons on Netflix of Kingdom. Which is a, a series about a zombie apocalypse in medieval Korea. Oh yes, you mentioned you've mentioned this to me before. Um, Are you enjoying it? Because I, I think when we spoke, you were only like an episode or two in. Yeah, I finished it now, and it was really good fun. Um, I actually really enjoyed learning about medieval Korea. Like I knew about medieval China, about medieval Japan, about the Mongols, obviously. I never knew you, about you, what was you, going on you say there. that, but isn't there a slight twist? Obviously, it, obviously it's not actually... There weren't actual zombie apocalypses yeah. in medieval Korea. That's obviously not <laughs> historical fact. But, like, their social structure, their fashion, um, their, society, their society, that was fascinating to learn about. Mm. And watching them get eaten was also fun. <laughs> and one thing I noticed, when I watch an anime and things go wrong... I, you often hear characters being very vocal with their emotions, mm. like um, when they're like, making noises as they're running away or running towards something, or making over-the-top sounds when they're shocked. And, and I thought it was just like the cartoon style of anime at first, but then I watched Kingdom with all these Oriental actors and actresses, and they were all making the same sounds, as if I can't tell from their facial expressions they're shocked. They'll make a shocked sound. Or if I can't tell from the fact that they're running away from the soldiers that they're afraid. They'll make afraid sounds. And I realised, is, is it a cultural thing? Is it? Because I, I swear, like, when you see other TV things, like, someone gets shot, they're like... <gasps> they're like they're, they're, they're well, obviously, shocked. when they get shot or hurt, yeah. But, like, um, there's a scene in Kingdom where they look at a shite... A shite? A sight that is shocking. So I've, I've had a lot of whiskey by this point. That is shocking. Um, and they're either really overacting. You're just giggling away there. Mm. Really overacting um, 
how they were feeling at, at, at what they'd seen. Could you say? Or, could you say that it was a shocking shite? I'm not going to try and say that. I'm not. I'm not going to. I'm not going to try and say that. Anyway, they were either everyone in that show was either overacting, underacting, or it's a very different movie style. Mm-hmm. Is what I'm going with. But it sort of went from historical fiction to horror, and now it's moved into more fantasy. If it makes sense, yeah. like there was, it was very gritty in its in its approach to. Of fights and combat and battles, and as the series progressed, it's that's become less gritty. Like there's some characters who, for absolutely no reason, are really awesome and really good at whatever they try and do, and other characters who are useless, and it just seems arbitrary. Mm. <laughs> it's funny that this is a, a zombie show and it becomes less <laughs> gritty. <laughs> It becomes it does it becomes less gritty. Yeah, that's and like by, quite, by the end of kind the show, you're seeing one one person just take on. Bear in mind they've got no guns in this world, obviously. You see one person in an enclosed space take on all these zombies and just gets through fine. And it's like how has he not been bitten? Mm. Kind of um, ironic, really. It gets less gritty. It is it, it is a good show. Lots of twists. Yeah. Apart from that. I haven't really been doing very much because I can't really do very much. Yeah. I'll tell you what I have been doing a lot of. Um, I've been listening to a lot of podcasts. Um, I think, did I, uh, there was one I think I recommended to you. I think it's called, um, where it was talking about Christopher Lee and like his hidden background of in World oh, War okay. Two. Did I talk to you about that at all? Um, quite some time ago, yeah. Yeah, there's a one of the so one of the podcasts I've been listening to is called the What Podcast. It's just W U T, and it's there's two hosts and then they bring on a guest and each host um, plus the guest brings their own topic to, per episode. So they um, they get the other they get the other hosts to guess what their topic it is off a sort of sentence vaguely relating to what they're going to then talk about. So they they guess and then they'll the host will then talk through what the topic is and each each host has their own topic so they go through about three different topics and it's really interesting. But but, but, but do they have whiskey? They don't. <laughs> well then, <laughs> but they should invite they should invite us and then we can show them how to do a podcast properly. <laughs> but it's a really interesting podcast because there's you learn about three different topics within one podcast so i think on the first episode i listened to which i think was like episode 18 for them it was the secret history of dracula which then turned out to be um talking about christopher lee the actor and how he was part of a secret world war ii unit and part of the sas and stuff and so he did secret missions during world war ii and another another host topic was how in america they had to blow i think it was uh, some one of the on one of the coasts in America or maybe Alaska or somewhere they had to blow up a whale to clear it off a beach or at least that's the oh, loose, that. that's the solution they came up with and then America and <laughs> and then uh, it ended up not going very well but it's really interesting like you I quite enjoy it because you listen to these different hosts speak but you learn about something new each time um, so yeah that's that's a good one. Another one I've listened to, it's called uh, Behind the Shield, and it's uh, run by a guy who's a former firefighter, and he brings on, 
he brings on different guests each each week, and they're people who've either been in law enforcement, uh, paramedics, firefighters, or in the army. So people who are involved in like serving and protecting people. Um, and one of the re- did you ever see the film Black Klansman? No. Should should I have? No, I was asking. Have you seen it? Did you ever see it? Yeah, no, I I didn't see it. Uh, so, um, so it's about a um. A true story about a black police officer who uh, infiltrated the KKK. So he called up and said he wanted to join. And then uh, he managed to get a fellow officer to pretend to be him. And then they managed to infiltrate the KKK through that, through doing that. And they, um, they foiled a plot to attack black people and so save people's lives. And so, uh, in this in this uh, in this uh, podcast behind the shield, the host got him on. Uh, so he's one well, of the, the guests that's been on there. Uh, one of the, the actor. No, no, no. The actual guy. The actual. Oh. The actual um, guy who the film was based off. Uh, Ron Stallworth, I think Stallworth. I so think it's not Adam Driver. No, 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 no. Um, the actual black police officer who orchestrated this whole plan and from store right, yeah. um they brought him on and other guests uh do you remember the book i talked about quite a few uh, i think it was a few episodes ago extreme ownership yes um he's had one of the authors of that on on his most recent episode actually jocko willink uh he's been on there um so yeah it's a really really interesting series that's another one i've been listening to um I think uh, Jason Fox, one of the SAS guys, he's brought out season two of his podcast. So yeah, I've been listening to listening to a lot of um, a lot of podcasts. Is Jason Fox the one who does the podcast sponsored by Talisker Sky? Yes, that's him. Why can't we get a nice sponsorship like that? Because <laughs> uh, we're not well well enough. No, yeah. Well enough known. But um, speaking of that, if you do enjoy the podcast, leave us a rating. Leave us a like, yeah. Uh, talk to your friends about us, share us, um, recommend us, review us nicely. <laughs> and uh, so with that, shall we? Shall we wrap up? I think we've we've discussed a lot. We have discussed a lot. Yeah. We've drunk a lot. At least I have. You better have. <laughs> I think I've gone for a, a good few glasses. I realised at the start of the episode, usually where we we do our cheers, we do the the clink of glasses. But um, we, yeah, I've I've got two I've got two glasses here. So I thought uh, as we wrap up, well, you have to do it. You have to do it. All right. So I, I'll, I'll do it in spirit. I'll do it in spirit. Yeah. So nice to catch up with you, Tom. And I hope let's catch up with you, Henry. I hope like everyone is well during this these crazy times. Me too. Stay, stay, safe. stay well, everyone. Keep safe. And uh, we'll see you next time.